Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? Well, this week was let's take Philippa's photo for her passport time. And, uh, well, I have to say, you know, between you and me, I didn't think... I wasn't looking great. I knew that, but I didn't think I was looking terrible. Uh, And the photo is taken and you have to look quite serious in the photo. You can't smile. And it turns out I do a lot of smiling in photos to hide the look. And, um, well, I don't I don't know what my first reaction was on seeing the photograph. There were various thoughts. Uh, I need to book in at a beautician. I need to book in at a hairdresser. I need to book in at a surgeon's. I need to book in with someone who's got dress sense. It it was awful. Um, a friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, was feeling very poorly with the old COVID, feeling so unwell. And I sent her the photo to say, well, at least uh, you don't look like this. And she agreed it was worse than even she, who was feeling very, very ill. Um, It's worse than she was feeling. So, yeah, it's all relative. But um, I went into uh, Boots yesterday and looked at every possible serum they had to sell. And I was just thinking, right, I'm just going to buy all of these and apply a thick layer of like 100 different serums to my face and see if that does anything. And uh, certainly I've been wearing quite a bit of makeup since that day. So that that's all good. So that's where I am. But enough about me. I've got some amazing books to talk to you about and a whole new thing. We've got a new thing going on because there's too many good books. So let me tell you about the books first. So we've got Lost Property by Helen Paris, The Sanctuary by Charlotte Duckworth, City on Fire by Don Winslow, The Joy of Small Things by Hannah Jane Parkinson, and Fault Lines by Doug Johnston. So a selection of excellent, excellent books. Not got a bad word to say. Um, And yeah, just can't wait to tell you about them. But 
because uh, there's, I'm getting booked up for author interviews and I want to talk to you about more books, I've introduced this new feature, don't you know? Not sure how often I'll be able to do it um, and how it'll go. Let me know. But it's called Five in Five. Get me with my catchy name. So it's just five simple questions in five minutes. So I'll give you the blurb first for Lost Property because Helen is my first victim. Sorry, slash... Um, interviewee. Uh, but this is the blurb anyway for Lost Property. Twelve years ago, Dot Watson's world fell apart and she's still holding on to guilt about what happened. Now Dot works at the transport for London Lost Property Office, finding comfort in the solitary cataloguing of misplaced items. For Dot, each lost umbrella or glove is more than just an object. So when elderly Mr Appleby appears searching for his late wife's purse, Dot immediately recognises his grief. Determined to help, she sets off on an extraordinary journey to find the lost purse, one that could lead Dot to reclaim her life and find where she truly belongs. Um, and the first sentence. Oh, do I do a prologue or chapter one? I'm going to do chapter one. Chapter one, and I'm going to read you a couple of sentences. <laughs> Sorry. It's seasonal, loss. Outside, autumn rain buckets down full force. Inside, a deluge of brollies all need logging and labelling. We're jam-packed in customer service. A damp line of people queue the length of the counter, steam gently rising off woollen coats, seeking temporary sanctuary in lost property, in search of what they have lost or delivering what they have found. I have to say... This book is beautiful. It's sad, it's happy, it's thoughtful. It's it's sort of gentle, but big themes. It's about journey, what life is, your perception of what a life is. It's just, it's lovely. Now, you remember, I'm sure, if you've listened for a while, and if you've listened for a while, <laughs> I'm thank you. I'm sorry that you've had to listen for a while, but thank you. Um, but when I first read... Uh, the Miseducation of Evie Epworth by Matson Taylor. And I described it as a Sunday evening book, Sunday evening TV book, where you sit down with something that is comfortable. Yes, it's challenging and it's got um, amazingly funny moments, amazingly sad moments, but just it just feels comforting in some way. Well, this book had that same feel. And I could I would thoroughly recommend this book for all ages. Uh, it's got a bit of everything in. I thought the character of Dot Watson was entrancing. So let's go to Helen Paris now for the five in five. Helen Paris, author of Lost Property, welcome to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Philippa. Well, uh, I've had to start a whole new segment now after having read your book, Helen. <laughs> this is the situation <laughs> you've, put, you've put me in. Had to have you on. My first question is, can you summarise your book in 30 seconds? Our protagonist is Dot Watson. And when we first meet Dot, she's lost her way. She's struggling with grief and racked with guilt. She's working in the Transport for London Lost Property office in Baker Street, finding solace in the process of cataloguing all the misplaced items that get handed in, the brollies, the bags, the coats. It's not glamorous and it's not exciting, but it is self-contained and safe, like Dot likes it, until everything changes one day when Mr Appleby walks in in search of his late wife's purse. Dot feels a really immediate connection with him 
and sets off on an extraordinary journey that could lead to her reclaiming her own life and finding where she truly belongs. Very good. Next question. Who is your favourite character in the book and why? Well, it's got to be Dot Watson. It really has. Um, because, you know, I I started writing this book because I had done some work in Lost Property in Baker Street and was really fascinated by the place, but I never planned to write a book about it. And then one day I really felt Dot Watson come up to me dressed in her immaculate felt uniform and tap me on the shoulder and tell me to get cracking because so so it stopped you know and I love that you know I love about fiction the imaginative worlds that we enter I love that reading it and I love that writing it so I loved creating a character like Dot whose favorite word is sellotape and who um, bolsters herself with the odd nip of absinthe that's been left behind in Lost Property and I love Dot because she pays attention and she takes care and I love to think that there might be somebody out there like Dot especially days nowadays sort of in these times I'd love to think there's someone like Dot Watson who's paying attention and taking care of lost things. Okay, can you describe your book in three words? It's about loss, it's about hope, and it's about love. Mm, Very good. Now, when you're writing, what is your favourite food and drink? Well, Dot Watson um, was very partial to a cup of Lapsang Souchong. So I thought, you know, as someone that's done a lot of work as a performer, I would do a sort of a method acting approach. And so I consumed vast (laughs) quantities of that whilst I was um, writing Dot. I have to say that this wasn't something that I ate all the time, but it was what I, when I imagined a reader, maybe one day, maybe if that ever happened and my book got published, I did like to imagine on a rainy Sunday afternoon, a reader tucking into the book alongside maybe a pot of Lapsang Souchong or any kind of good quality strong tea, um, a tippy assam, anything you like, um, and a packet of McVitie's um, milk chocolate biscuits. I thought that would be the perfect combination. I think Dot would approve. And uh, I think that 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 would be it, Philippa, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and final question, what's been your best moment so far in your writing career? Oh, absolutely. And without a doubt, those the first readers that you get when, um, because Doubleday, my publishers have done all these wonderful things of trying to you get getting the, getting book, getting um, lost property out there. So then you hear from um, these bloggers or you hear from these readers who are getting um, a sort of early copies of the book and then they respond to it and they treat Dot Watson as if she really is a person out there. And a lot of people have said to me they want to give Dot a hug and um, that they, they're still sort of following her in a sort of this imaginary world. They're still sort of keeping track on her, imagining her out there living her best life. And I love that, Philip. I think there is nothing more gratifying. You have this long solo journey, you know, sort of scoffing your chocolate biscuits and drinking your tea in your, in your study, not knowing if anyone is ever going to read this book. And then suddenly they do and they connect with Dot Watson as strongly as, as I did when I was writing her. And I love that. And I love how readers pay attention so all the effort that you put into rewriting and rewriting rewriting that paragraph or that very or that sentence you know or finding the right word they pay attention to that they appreciate it they they notice it and so that has been glorious wonderful well helen paris whose book is called lost property thank you for joining me today thank you philippa well i hope that new uh section is interesting let me know what you think Um, If I have extra authors that I can fit in, 
and speak to them, then I will do that from time to time. So who knows what the next five and five will be or who it will be with. But anyway, next book, we need to talk about The Sanctuary by Charlotte Duckworth. If you love a book where you get introduced to uh, different characters, say each chapter is from a different character's point of view, and they're all thrown in the sort of like the locked room. It's not, but you, you know what I mean. Um, and what's the story and what's going to happen, then you'll love this book. So let me read you the blurb for this one. On a remote farm in the deepest Devonshire countryside, four pregnant women arrive at an exclusive yoga retreat for a five-star weekend of prenatal pampering. The location is idyllic. Their host, Selina, is eager to teach them all she knows about pregnancy and motherhood. But like Selina, each of the women has a secret and secrets can be deadly. Let's do the first sentence. I'm going to do the first couple of sentences because they're quite short. And this first chapter is about Nikki. Right now, I can't think of anything I want to do less than go on a yoga retreat. Even worse, a prenatal yoga retreat. It'll be good for you, John grins. Cheer up. Uh, so let's talk to the author, Charlotte Duckworth, now. So welcome, Charlotte Duckworth, whose latest book is The Sanctuary. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's very good to have you. I mean, what gave you the idea for, for this particular book? So it was quite a roundabout thing, actually. So there were a few things. I wanted to, this is probably not the most usual way to come to writing a novel, but I really wanted to challenge myself kind of structurally. So I wanted to write, I really enjoy reading Locked Room Mysteries. I love all of Lucy Foley's books. And I just thought I want to write a book that's in a very, short time period um so that was my main <laughs> my kind of starting point was I want to write a book over three days um mostly also because a lot of my other books are span quite like long time scales and I always seem to trip myself up with timings so I thought if I have a book over three days I can't make too many <laughs> what mistakes. can go wrong <laughs> yes exactly because I've had things where people have been pregnant for a year and then my copy editor will be like this is not possible I'm like ah um so that was yeah that was kind of the starting point but also I did originally have an idea about writing about an off-grid family um I wanted to sort of I was kind of interested in these people that move to Wales and buy a bit of land and they do everything themselves and I kind of find that quite fascinating so that was that was another element and then I'd started writing a book um along those lines and it just didn't quite work it was a bit it was actually I, I just was writing far too much about sawdust toilets and stuff and it was like this is not actually very interesting <laughs> so I thought okay I'm going to change it up and um personally I can't stand the idea of sleeping in a tent in somebody's field yeah. but I know lots of people really enjoy it not <laughs> me I thought, mm, yeah no <laughs> not my thing. um but I thought okay how about I put these women and, I, and and quite often with these books um it's friends that go away to places and I thought it'd be more interesting if they're all strangers although there are two sisters in the book um so yeah and because I tend to write about parenting I thought I'll make them all pregnant because that's kind of and just give that a bit of a twist so that they're all going on this prenatal um, retreat. Anyway, there were lots of different things that came into it. It was a real melting pot, um, as you can probably tell from my waffle. But um, yeah, it was it was it was fun. It was actually really fun to write. <laughs> so, did you write it chapter by chapter, or did you write it sort of character's perspective? Uh, you know, one at a time. I was interested how you actually wrote it. Uh, yeah, no. So I wrote it the way it reads. Um, I can't do the. 
I mean, I wish I could um, do the thing where some people write the ending first and stuff. Um, no, I did just basically write it as it is. I think I might have added, so there are some chapters, that, well, they're short chapters where you're not sure who's talking. I think some of those were added in a bit later. Um, but no, I, I basically wrote it through, um, yeah, kind of chronologically which was nice as well because my other books, as I said, sort of flip around a lot in time. <laughs> so was this book quicker to write than the others as it was a bit different um, or was it harder? I actually, weirdly, I thought it was going to be easier. <laughs> and I would say it was it was probably technically one of the most difficult, but that's because of the sheer number of characters. Um, so I think my other books, the most I've had is three um, and in this, actually, there's seven. I, I worked out the other day. I mean, some of them aren't in it much, but um, yeah, it was it was a lot, and it was more the sort of working out who knows what. That was the bit that was quite challenging, and sort of I ended up tripping myself up a few times. And like like I said, I'm very lucky I have really good editors to pick this stuff up. Um, but yes, it, it was it was really hard, and I don't think I will do a seven narrator book again. <laughs> Not in a hurry. <laughs> you still bear the scars of, of yes. that one. <laughs> Uh, is it hard? Is it a challenge for an author when you've got that many characters to make each one memorable to the reader? Because the last thing you want is the reader thinking, I can't remember who this is and sort mm. of losing track of what's going on. How did you do that? Yes, that was very difficult. And actually, before I started writing, I um, I don't usually plan very much, but I did write a sort of um, quite detailed cha- uh, character breakdowns for all of them. And I wanted to give them all it, I mean, it was a very interesting kind of writing, novel writing exercise, actually, because I was like, they all need a secret. So what's all of their secrets? And, you know, they're all slightly different ages and they've all got slightly different um, kind of they're at different points in their lives, as it were. Um, so that helped a bit because they are all very different. Um, but Yeah, it's always tricky. And I think um, maybe at some point I thought oh, there's, there's two characters that were starting to sound a bit similar. So, it, yeah, it, it, but luckily I tend to write kind of quite quick and um, scrappy first drafts but I spend a lot of time and I've got very patient um, people working with me to um, sort of like smooth out and like um, make each character very distinct there's a lot of editing and refining that goes on so yeah Yeah. so which who was your favorite character if you can oh that's a good question um oh well Mm. or your oh favorite character to write I suppose is a oh. fairer question to those who haven't read it yet <laughs> <laughs> yes um my favorite character to write is always the I don't want to say bad no okay. about seven, but um yeah basically yes. the, the most the most um toxic twisted <laughs> yeah. person is always the most fun <laughs> but they say um, that about actors as well you know some of the best characters to act out are the, yes. the evil ones because there's more yeah there than, than yes. the bland one did you always know how it would end no it actually changed quite a lot the ending changed loads um so I did yes I knew who was who was going to um die I don't think that's a spoiler and I did know who was going to do it but then there's there's kind of like an almost a second twist at the end that that was that was kind of in one of the third edits I think um that kind of came to me and I thought oh that'll push it a bit further because I think it's interesting when my other books, um, I've had some readers say, oh, they're not really thrillers. They're not really dark enough. So this one I was trying really hard to be as dark as <laughs> right, I could possibly yes. be. Yeah. I'll show so, you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it might be, I, I, I think it, is, it does have a lot of twists in it. And I have had some reviews going, oh my God, maybe one too many. But it was fun. It was fun. I hope it's a fun read. That's what I was aiming for. <laughs> Do you like to include surprises? Do you like to have readers sort of 
um, yeah. taken a, a, a side route thing. Yeah, I, I think so. And that's what I enjoy when I'm reading. Like I don't, you know, obviously I read a lot of thrillers and most of them are amazing. And But sometimes you do feel like, oh, okay, that's kind of what I was expecting to happen. So it's always nice when something you're not expecting happens and you think, oh, that was clever. Where did that come from? And it's always, you know, especially satisfying if it sort of then starts to make sense retrospectively. So yeah, I do, I do enjoy plotting all these things and thinking up the most horrible things that happen to my characters. <laughs> I'm a nice person, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like to deal with a particular theme in each of your books? Because it just feels that way to me. Yes. So, yeah, I think um, I was very, I mean, my my debut was quite personal. So it was about um, a woman uh, losing her job when she gets pregnant. Um, and I kind of was really interested in that it happens to a lot of women and it kind of upsets me. And, and obviously I, I wanted it to be a page turner. So it's a it's a thriller but um I'm kind of interested in a theme in each book and I think for me it keeps me interested if I can do some research into something so obviously the sanctuary has quite a strong anti-vax um sort of thread running through it too but it's not like the whole focus of the novel but it you know that kind of thing interests me and also um with when you're pregnant all the advice you get because obviously when I was pregnant you know there's so much advice online and just people want to give you their opinions and you know, if you're feeling a little bit um, insecure or worried about your pregnancy, it's quite easy to have your mind kind of um, uh, disrupted slightly by other people poking their oars in. So, um, yeah, that was something else I wanted to kind of uh, look into. So, yeah, I would say, I, yeah, I, I try to make each book slightly distinct so that they're, they're not all kind of, I don't want to say your standard sort of husband-wife thriller, but mm. yeah, just something a little bit different. So how do you get ideas? Do your family see you reading the newspaper and going, oh, my goodness, and getting the old notebook out? Or how does it work? Um, how do I get ideas? That's, I, I wish, do, 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 do any authors you interview have a good answer to this question? Because I always feel a bit like, I don't know. Um, I guess that, I mean, there is sometimes things on the news that definitely um, will kind of pique my interest. But I honestly, it feels like I'm just going for a walk or something or having a shower and then I'll be like, oh, that's a good idea. And I have to desperately quickly write it down somewhere, otherwise I'll forget it. Um, but I, I think what's interesting now is you have like all these tiny little ideas and it's trying to sort of amalgamate them a little bit. So I feel like it's a bit like making a stew, just adding different bits um, to sort of, yeah, increase the flavour. <laughs> so do you have a, a, a literal book that you put those ideas in and then when you come to write your next book you have a look at what ingredients you have to hand yes yeah I don't write in a book I actually write on my phone which is awful but like then if anybody ever found my phone and went through the notes app they would think I was insane um so yes it's just full of completely rambling like nonsensical little like not even proper sentences um of things that have occurred to me all the time like wherever I am I'm constantly thinking well that'd be an interesting thing to put in a book so yes um it's it it is literally like a big melting pot and I quite enjoy going through everything and sifting and trying to find the good stuff do you ever have it where you think oh my goodness this is the best idea ever and then 24 hours later you think oh I don't know why I thought that was going to be you know the Booker Prize winner (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely do yes I think I was very convinced about my my off-grid eco family and then it was like actually this is quite boring and uh, yeah no 100% there's a lot of times where I'm thinking this is amazing and then luckily I don't seem to be short of ideas so I can get rid of quite a few so uh, you know they do sort of keep coming and then you think no no um but I have learned is you know obviously you can have an amazing premise but a book is a long thing and you've got to be able to build on it it can't just be one little spark of an idea because 
that's not going to sustain a whole novel. And I think that's something that you get better at as the more you write, you kind of realise you need more to it. And four books in, I just wonder how hard is it to let go of the the sort of the scenes and the characters that you've written about to then move on to the next book? Um, That's a really interesting question. I don't know. I feel like after a year, because it probably is a year of working on it, I am kind of slightly sick of them. So (laughs) there's a point where I'm quite pleased to leave them behind. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting that there's definite that there are characters in my books that sort of stay with me more than other ones which is kind of interesting um but yeah no I I feel I'm always quite ready for the next challenge actually I'm quite I'm I'm quite a quick writer and I'm sort of desperate to do more so um it hasn't been something that's worried me too much (laughs) so does that then encourage you to keep going down the route not doing a series but doing individual books yeah well that's interesting you should say that so I've just um I'm literally just finishing up my fifth book, which is coming out later this year. And I have been thinking about doing a series. Just I had an idea and I was kind of like, hmm, that'd be interesting. And funnily enough, my dad, who, bless him, doesn't really know much about writing or publishing, but does love to give me um, suggestions. He was like, why don't you write a series? It'd be much easier because you won't have to come up with new characters um, (laughs) each time. And I was like, oh, well, actually, I was thinking about it. So it's kind of unusual, I feel, in suspense to have a series. There aren't, I can't even think of any off the top of my head that have, people who've done that so I kind of never really considered it before but yes it's something um I really want to talk to my editor about and see if she's kind of up for the idea but yeah yeah that's interesting because crime is the obvious uh, home of the mm. series and mm. yet why not do it in the suspense thriller type why, why if you can yeah, make it work exactly and I do have an idea for a character that I think would work really well um as I was thinking more like a three three book series but but this is all very early days. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this stage of it. It was my favourite bit where you just get to daydream and think about it and you don't actually have to do any real work. <laughs> so how hard was it getting published with your first book? Um, so I had a really long route to publication. And so I actually got my agent when I was very young. I was in my 20s and I wrote a novel sort of set at university. Um, it didn't actually sell, but um, I did get my agent through it. And then I wrote two more books, which also didn't sell. And then by the, I think the second one kind of came close. And then it was one of those things where they bought a book that was similar just the week before. And, you know, it's just it is a lot about luck and timing, I think. Um, so I actually had a break from writing for I think it was almost four years. And then um, I did the Faber Academy course. I just had my baby and I was, wasn't working. And I thought, oh, I really do want to be a writer. And I thought, I'm just going to give it one last chance. So I did the Faber course, um, which was amazing. I wrote The Rival on that course um, in 10 weeks. And then before we even sort of finished, I had a book deal. So I was very lucky because I already had an agent. So I didn't have to go through the kind of, um, there's like an agent stay that they do at the end. Um, and my agent had actually already sent it out by the time we came to the agent stay. And yeah, I got I got an offer within a week and then another one as well. So it was kind of um quick in the end but there was a long <laughs> long lead up yeah. to it <laughs> so you've written three entire books yep. that have never been yep. published and yep. you've kept writing I have so it's funny because I always keep I keep talking about like um sometimes when I'm tweeting I'm like oh book five and I'm like actually it's not book five because technically it's book eight but you know I've lost track now of how many I've actually finished um because I've also got another book coming out um under a different name next year as well so now I'm getting even more confused and it's like oh but yeah <laughs> can't stop me is that a very different genre then yes that's that's more of a kind of book club it's more literary 
Um, so yeah, I wrote that as a bit of a sort of secret project and I wasn't really expecting it to get published, but it has um, been picked up. So that's very exciting too. So I'm interested. I mean, we've heard a lot about the the Favour course. Mm. Um, what did it do? Because to to change did it cha- make you change how you were writing or was it just a case of the right timing i think it was the right timing because i i don't want to sound like um arrogant but i think the books that i'd written before were fine it's just that they weren't the right kind of books that that publishers were looking for back then i mean I'm, you know obviously I, I think everybody's debut is always a bit um a bit of a well bit 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 rocky but um yeah no i think for me what it did was basically I had a baby so it was like you know I got to go into London one day a week and then there's some Saturdays days as well and it was just like really nice to have some time away and to really focus it made me kind of get on with it and like um my tutor was Joanna Briscoe and she was amazing and she'd set us all sort of she'd say to everybody in the class how many words do you want to write this week I'm going to make sure you've done it by next week and I was like I'm going to write 10,000 words and because she was kind of chasing me I did um so yeah that's how I managed to finish the draft quickly I think that's what it did for me it was kind of gave me the confidence so lovely to be um you know with other writers as well like it's just I had the best group um and you're obviously all critiquing each other's work and that's really helpful um and actually Joanna was very encouraging too and she was kind of like you know this is good enough to get published so kind of believe in yourself and I think I'd had my confidence knocked by the three books that hadn't sold so yeah it was brilliant and I wish I could do it again but it'd be a bit weird (laughs) (laughs) well what do you wish someone had told you when you were writing your very first unpublished book um I I think persistence is like the main thing I think I wish I you know I mean I was quite good I'm quite stubborn I'm a Capricorn so I'm quite stubborn and persistent anyway so you know I wasn't going to be too discouraged but I I think if somebody had just said you know you'll get there but this is part of the process and I think obviously there's a lot of noise around people who their first book sells for loads of money and it's like the first thing they've ever written and it's amazing but I think a lot of people have lots of manuscripts and drawers they're not talking about um and it's very common to have you know had to work at it for a number of years and I I I also think part maybe it's part of the apprenticeship in a way like you wouldn't expect to start playing the piano one week and be able to play you know like a whole sonata through (laughs) within six months it's just you know it's kind of writing is a process and you get better at it the more you do basically so I think the nice thing about writing is it doesn't really matter how old you are um unlike in some other creative professions so that's you know it's a bonus and also you get more wisdom as you get older so there's lots of things but yeah just keep going <laughs> allegedly you get wisdom as you get older I haven't <laughs> discovered that yet but what well, is there anything that's essential to your writing like um uh, sitting in a particular location or having a particular pen or or drink or candle is there anything that you have to have before you write no, but I can't. There's only one thing, and that is that my daughter has to be out of the house. And now I feel really mean because I love her to death, but um, she is probably the biggest block to my writing. So if she's in, we don't have a huge house. I can hear her. Um, she's incredibly noisy. I don't. She just never stops talking. She's very entertaining, but um, also not particularly conducive to concentration. So for me, I need to sort of a quiet house, basically. Um, but no, I can write, I could write anywhere. I could write on a train because that's a different kind of noise that you can sort of block out. But um, yeah, just a bit of solitude is probably the most important thing. So how did you cope writing in lockdown then if, uh, yeah. if your daughter was home all the time? Well, I actually, it's so funny. I didn't. So I had six months off um, 
I yeah I I was that's when I started the I just started the eco family book maybe that's why I gave up on it I think I got about 17,000 words in and then she was off school and I thought I just can't do this because it's just it's too hard um and luckily I'd had a bit of a give so my first book came out in hardback and and then in paperback so there was quite a long publication schedule for that one and I'd already delivered on follow me my second book so I had a bit of kind of um, space in my schedule, as it were. I wasn't on a kind of such a sort of tight turnaround time. So for my third book, um, I can't, now I can't remember whether I delivered it or not. I think I was doing I was doing the proofs and stuff. So that kind of thing I can do, but the actual initial drafting I find very hard when when there's people in the house. So yeah, I just had a break and then she she went back luckily, <laughs> and then it was okay. That's interesting. So if your daughter's out of the house, <laughs> can you write whatever mood you're in? Can you park yes. that? Oh, right. Yeah, but I think this is this is so interesting. I was talking to an editor about this yesterday. Um, I think it's because I was a journalist. So I just have this kind of no-nonsense uh, yes. approach to it. Yeah. It's like, I have to do it. It's my job. You know, I've got to yeah. sit down and write, even if I don't feel like it. Because you can always edit, you know, if it's terrible, it doesn't matter. Mm. It still steps forward. <laughs> Yes, that's very interesting. So yeah, it's just it's time to write. So you write, mm. Mm. and actually, pressure is a massive motivator for me. So I do like it. Like she's out at the moment. It's like when she's not here, I'm like, right, get my head down, get you know, get on with it. And then um, yeah, I think actually becoming a mother made me a hell of a lot more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> but if she's out of the house, yeah, I need to let you go so you can start writing again. <laughs> yeah. need the, the next book. So uh, Charlotte Duckworth, whose latest book is The Sanctuary. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
So there we go. That was uh, The Sanctuary by Charlotte Duckworth. And now we go on to City on Fire by Don Winslow. This is a book and a half, honestly. Listen, listen to the blurb on this. Two criminal empires together control all of New England until a beautiful modern-day Helen of Troy comes between the Irish and the Italians, launching a war that will see them kill each other, destroy an alliance and set a city on fire. Danny Ryan yearns for a more legit life and a place in the sun, but as the bloody conflict stacks body on body and brother turns against brother, Danny has to rise above himself to save the friends he loves like family and the family he has sworn to protect. He becomes a leader, a ruthless strategist and a master of a treacherous game in which the winners live and the losers die. Um, I just thought, well, Philippa, don't say what you think. Let's just do the first sentence. I've got a lot to say about this book. I really have. OK, chapter one. Danny Ryan watches the woman come out of the water like a vision emerging from his dreams of the sea. Except she's real and she's going to be trouble. Women that beautiful usually are. Oh, this book is amazing. Um, I've never really read a mafia book before. I've never really read this sort of fiction um, but I'd heard so much about Don Winslow he is so well known at being a brilliant writer I thought I just want to I want to read it myself and form my own views yes um, it is full-on from the get-go on violence and sex so if that's something that you just don't want to read if you're just into your cozy crime then okay it's not for you um but if you're willing to not judge the book, uh, then just read it because it is brilliant. Even if, you know, the violence, the sex things are, aren't something that you normally read. It, it's just part of it. And it's this story of um, the, the, the role family plays and friendships and just how... The sort of the this mafia brilliance, how it all work, works. You've got all sorts of um, just interesting elements in there. And people are horrible, you know. People are anti-different cultures, um, different approaches to life, different sexualities, uh, different sexes. There, there's anti-everything in that. But that's not what the book is about. At the at the hub of it, it's just about the disruption and the pursuit of self for the right reasons. I just thought it was it was a phenomenal read. It's a book that grabs you by the throat and doesn't let go until you've finished. So if you are willing to step into something that can be quite unsettling, I. And if you're keen to read a sort of a mafia gang book, then I would really recommend this. I thought it was excellent. Um, and it it's confirmed why people talk about Don Winslow. But now we move on to a very different book. So if City on Fire didn't sound your cup of tea, I think the next one might be. This is a non-fiction, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, we're going the non-fiction route now. And this book is called The Joy of Small Things by Hannah Jane Parkinson. 
Um, listen to the blurb on this. Hannah Jane Parkinson is a specialist in savouring the small pleasures of life. She revels in her fluffy dressing gown, like bathing in marshmallow, finds calm in solo cinema trips, is charmed by the personalities of fonts. You'll never see Comic Sans on a funeral notice. Celebrates pockets and gleefully abandons a book she isn't enjoying. Parkinson's everyday exaltations, selected from her immensely successful Guardian column, will utterly delight. Let's read the first sentence. So, well, preface, I'm not going to read that. And then, well, the first chapter, you see, OK, let me explain. Each chapter is very short, maybe one or two pages. But it's just about something simple that is lovely. So the first chapter is called The Perfect Dressing Gown and the next one is called Always Look Up. Uh, the next one's called Plays Without Intervals, which I loved as well. Um, oh, I don't know which one. Fresh Air, Fonts. You see, I think whatever cover versions, Ice Cream Vans. Um, I just don't know which one to read to you. Clean Bedding. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Clean Bedding. Um, I'll read you a bit of clean bedding. There is something more comforting than luxury spa trips or even indulgent massages. Something that soothes bones, cost almost no money, boosts the mood and makes the night softer and the mornings lighter. Fresh bedding, clean taut sheets, plumped pillows, the crinkle of a rejuvenated duvet cover. Uh, yeah, I love this book. It just had so many lovely different things and it was just easy to read, a joy to read. Yeah, if you're happy to read something that's non-fiction and want to escape from some of the difficulties of life, then this is joyful. It really is. It's a, a balm to, to the world, I would say. So, yes, really enjoyed reading that one. And let's get on to the last book. One more book left. And the book is Fault Lines by Doug Johnson. Now, I've uh, interviewed Doug previously, really enjoyed his Skelf series of books. And this one I had been meaning to read for some time. I'm so glad I got round to it. Here's the blurb. In a reimagined contemporary Edinburgh, where a tectonic fault has opened up to produce a new volcano in the Firth of Forth, and where tremors are an everyday occurrence, Volcanologist Sertzi makes a shocking discovery. On a <laughs> I thought I was going to have enough trouble with Firth of Forth, but I got that right. And I can't say the words on a. Anyway, here we go. On a clandestine trip to New Volcanic Island, the Inch, to meet Tom, her lover, and her boss, she finds his lifeless body and makes the fatal decision to keep their affair and her discovery a secret. Desperate to know how he died, but also terrified she'll be exposed, Sertz's life quickly spirals into a nightmare when someone makes contact, someone who claims to know what she's done. And then let's just do first sentence. Here we go. The moment she set foot on the inch, she felt something was wrong. Uh, uh, yeah, listen, I love Doug Johnson's writing. It's always good. Yes, I knew the sort of who done it very early on, but I don't think that's what this book was about. It was about why done it and just I love this idea that it was in contemporary times and yet it was slightly different. It wasn't dystopian. Um, 
you didn't have you, you know you didn't have extra elements it was purely the fact of these tectonic faults um, opening up and the implications of that so maybe that maybe that is dystopian but it wasn't I don't know it just made it just much more I was just reading it as if it was really happening um, and that's down to the writing as well read it see what you think as I say it, it to me I, I I knew the the who but it was the why and just this I just thought it was really well written um, and uh, I love the the extra element of the the geographical changes and how that impacted upon the whole story. So, yes, um, a fiction book, but uh, fascinating. So I think I think you've had quite a lot of different books here. Let, let's go through. So we've had The Comforting. Lost Property by Helen Paris. We've had The Thrilling the Sanctuary by uh, Charlotte Duckworth. We've had, well, how would you describe City on Fire by Don Winslow? The, oh, I can't think of a word. It was just, you know, the, the gangs, the mafia, it's alarming, it's riveting. Um, it's, oh, yeah, you see? I, uh, well, I think I've done that there. Well, <laughs> Don't go on anymore. I've had The Joy of Small Things by Hannah Jane Parkinson, which was lovely. And uh, the well-written Fault Lines by Doug Johnson. That's your lot. I have got some great books to talk to you about next week. Can't wait. And a great author to interview. So look, just take care of yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.